Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org. Hello and welcome to the Oregon Employment First podcast. I'm Angela Yeager with Employment First. This week we are talking about ADL and IADL and what exactly that is. Joining me today is Acacia McGuire-Anderson, Statewide Employment First Coordinator, and Mike Parr, Lead Policy Analyst with the Office of Developmental Disability Services. Welcome, both of you. Hi. 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 So we're going to talk about ADL, IADL today. So the first question I think that's on everyone's mind is what exactly does that stand for? Because that's a big acronym. And what does ADL mean and what does IADL mean? Mike, do you want to start? Sure. Well, first things first. ADL simply stands for Activities of Daily Living, and IADL stands for Instrumental Activities of Daily Living. Um, it's just a fancy way of saying personal care, so to speak. I, I think of ADL sort of as the, the sort of the basic things that a person needs to survive. Like you, if you don't eat, you starve to death. If you don't get rid of your waste, you get poisoned. If you don't clean your body, you become diseased. So all those basic functions that a person needs just to survive, just to live. Um, I've heard it explained sometimes. Uh, think of the things you do in the morning. So you get out of bed. In our language, that's transferring. You walk over to the bathroom. That is mobility. You use the restroom. We call that elimination. You walk over to the kitchen, prepare yourself some breakfast. You eat. Then you go back to the bathroom, you brush your teeth and comb your hair as personal hygiene and grooming. So all of those things are the very basic things that a person needs to accomplish just to get out the front door and get on with their lives. That Those are the activities of daily living, just very basic, essential functions that a human being needs to survive. So I think of those as almost biological in nature. Um, instrumental activities of daily living are somewhat more complex activities, but are related to IAD or to ADLs. They're, they're still very much human and necessary for survival, but they're more complex and a little bit cultural. Um, so for example, you, maybe not me, but somebody more skilled than me could probably walk around the forest, eat nuts and berries and survive, right? But that's not what people do. We eat meals. So meal preparation is one of those slightly more complex things that is an instrumental activity of daily living. You don't eat if you don't have a meal. You can't make a meal if you don't go shopping. So shopping is another one of those instrumental activities of daily living. It's a more complex than just gathering food, but it is necessary for survival, especially in a modern um, contemporary civil society like we live in. Um, uh, so, handling finances. So Mike, would it be yeah. fair to say that uh, the difference with uh, activities of daily living would be eating itself and then the IADL part of that would be the shopping for the food and preparing it? Right, exactly. Okay. I mean, it's, it's sort of an artificial distinction to think of them differently. I mean, all of them kind of happen together. It's just not everybody needs help with all of those um, in, in, independently. Um, but I, mean, I, I think it's overthinking to start trying to separate out too much. It's just, I, I prefer to think of it as just the, the yeah, helping the, the things, doing the things for a person that they can't do for themselves that keeps them from getting along and living independently in the community. Which is part of why <clears throat> when you hear about ADL, it's always ADL-IADL, ADL-IADL, right. because they get grouped together naturally in terms of the supports that somebody needs. As Mike said, we're not so minimalistic, maybe some folks are, but rarely that you just need just those basic additional supports. You also want to have social interaction, social engagement. Mm -hmm. And so they just come together in a package, ADL-IADL. 
Great. Yeah. Have you heard about Employment Outcome System? Doesn't sound exciting, I know, but it is. The Employment Outcome System, or EOS, website puts you in control. Go to OregonEOS.org and you can look at info and outcomes for agencies providing employment services to people with developmental disabilities in Oregon. You can look up providers in your county and compare their numbers on employment services. So how does ADL, IADL, how is it related to the K plan specifically? And why did it become kind of a big thing in developmental disability services when the K plan happened? Sort of a long and complicated story. Um, first off, you know, ADLs and IADLs are not new. They have been around for a long time. They exist in um, federal guidance uh, that they're written into our old waivers. They're, they're everywhere. It's just we didn't use those terms very often. We called it personal care. And in fact, um, for those of you who may have been around for a long time, back before the K-Plan, we had the support services waiver and the comprehensive waiver. And in the support services waiver, that was for people who were living in their own homes, um, getting in-home services, we had this thing called community living and inclusion supports. The thing about a waiver is you can, the state can describe its services kind of more, we we could customize the services in a waiver. When we fund through the K plan, I'll talk about that in a minute, um, that we lost the ability to customize our services. And so when we had the support services waiver before the K-Plan, community living in in inclusion supports was an everyday term. Everybody talked about that all the time. And that was ADL, IADL care. It's exactly the same thing that attending care is today. It just had a different name. The reason we renamed it was because the K-Plan is just a very different sort of a thing. And when it happened, it happened very fast for ODDS. And so we knew we needed to come up with a new way of talking about that same sort of support. Um, Community living and inclusion supports was a waiver service, which is no longer going to be available. All we had was the K plan. And like I said, it happened fast. And so we all we did was look at the federal guidance that came out around the time the K plan became an option. And they talk about ADL and IADL all through the federal regulations related to the K plan. And so in order to make a clean break from the waiver services and to sort of smooth the way um, with the federal government for approval of our K plan, we used their language. So there was no question about what it was that we were doing with the K plan. So all of a sudden you stopped hearing about community living and inclusion supports and you started hearing about attending care and ADL and IADL supports. And it's simply because we needed a new set of terminology and we just didn't have the time to come up with something more customized in Oregon that is different than what the federal government used to talk about that service. So all of a sudden, everything was ADL, IDL, and attendant care. And we had, so we kept the waivers. You'd still hear about the support services waiver. Right. You'd ha- hear about the comprehensive waiver. But what stayed on the waiver, which we're going to talk about in a second, are supports like job coaching or employment services. But all of that community inclusion, or now ADL, IDL, moved over to the state plan, K plan. And so the language changed significantly. Um, we had, maybe still have, um, state plan personal care mm-hmm. too, which mm-hmm. again is just ADL, IDL called personal care. Right. So it is something that we've talked about for a long time, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you both use terms like attendant care, personal care, ADL, IADL. So are essentially all those things the same thing? Yes, I would say so. 
And it's part of why, while they're all the same thing, they all have different functions like we were talking about earlier. So when I'm chatting with maybe a new provider agency who's delivering service in Oregon, they'll say, oh, I don't do ADL, IDL, I do job coaching. And the conversation might come down to, we should really call it what it is, because some ADL, IDL might be uh, behavior supports, and somebody might need some assistance on the job uh, with behavior supports. But rather than say, oh, that's an ADL, IDL, I don't do that, it's talking about that's behavior supports on the job, which relates to that person keeping their job. So um, in theory, you're doing both an ADL, IDL, and a job coaching support to keep that person employed. And that's why it gets complicated when you try to separate these things out Mm -hmm. instead of just calling it what it is. So related to that, um, since you brought it up, Acacia, what is the difference between ADL um, and IADL and job coaching? So there's some stark differences and some things that would be very similar. So I always say you can't do job coaching without doing some ADL, IADL support. Job coaching is the support that somebody needs to maintain a job or to do things like increase their hours or maybe get an additional job at the same organization. And in order to do that, you're helping support the person on the job. That person might need assistance to set up their work area. They might need assistance with communication, which you could say is an ADL, IADL to talk to their boss or to talk to HR. They may need supports to use the restroom while at work. We talk about getting ready in the morning. Yes, everyone uses the restroom when they get ready in the morning. Just because you go to work doesn't mean you don't need to do that anymore. And so if somebody needs that support on the job, we need to provide that support. And so the two things are going to come together. Do you or someone in your family experience an intellectual or developmental disability and want to learn more about Oregon's employment services for people with disabilities? Tune in to the Oregon Employment First podcast on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Hear about employment success stories and learn from experts and people working in the field about what is happening in Oregon to support people with developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. When you're doing a job coaching service, you're really providing the support the person needs to stay on the job, whether we call that an ADL or we actually call it what it is in terms of behavior supports or assistance to use the restroom. So why does the Office of Developmental Disability Services require ADL as part of job coaching? So it's typical for states, not just Oregon, to include an ADL or IDL as part of a service like job coaching. So Mike was talking about we've always had this service. We've always had attendant care, personal care, and we've had job coaching for years in this state as well. Uh, When you look at supports to somebody with an intellectual and developmental disability, you need to support whatever it is that they need on the job. So when we were looking at our waiver. So when the K-Plan rolled out, we still had, as I mentioned before, a comprehensive waiver, support services waiver for services like job coaching, employment path, discovery. And at that time, we were able to do some slight adjustments based on the changes happening in the K. And one piece of that was really looking at what does job coaching mean to Oregon? What does it mean in the waiver? And then also talking to other states. What does job coaching mean in your state? When you talk to any other state, they're going to say job coaching is the support somebody needs to get and keep a job. And so that was when we had an opportunity to also look at our rates. So we've been working on our job coaching rates since before 2013, actually. But most recently, we've 
undertook a huge effort in 2014, and we actually factored in the needs of the person. So we pay higher rates for people who have higher needs on the job. That's typically going to be because they might have some personal care needs, behavior support needs, uh, physical assist needs, transfer needs, in addition to your more traditional job coaching needs. So helping somebody um, communicate with their employer. And so that was part of the consideration when looking at one, the service and two, the rates. So in the state of Oregon, like in probably almost every other state, if not every other state in the country, we do require that if you're doing job coaching, you also need to do the supports that would be more traditionally ADL, IDL or personal care. It might be worth mentioning, too, that in order to even be eligible for services in Oregon, you have to meet what they call the level of care, which is very directly related to ADL and IADL support needs. Just because somebody's working, those support needs don't go away. I mean, they, they exist across settings. So it's, it's almost impossible to separate out, you know, job coaching sorts of tasks from the, the co-occurring ADL or IDL supports that a person needs, the person wouldn't even be getting services if they didn't need those supports. I mean, they're, they're just that fundamental to what we do. Absolutely. The Oregon Employment First podcast explores topics centered on employment for Oregonians with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Field staff, providers, Oregon employers, people with disabilities and their families may be interested in topics ranging from the history of Employment First in Oregon, Two, how to have the employment conversation from a case management perspective. The Oregon Employment First podcast airs bi-monthly on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Tune in. So that makes sense. So if someone has a feeding tube and needs that clean, you know, uh, cleaned out, or if they just need help eating, um, you know, those are obviously things they would need at work just as much as they would at home. Right. And it's related to their disability. Right, exactly. And there are times when people have significant needs that might require a two-on-one support. So, for instance, we've um, had exceptions come in for somebody who was a a two-person transfer or used a Hoyer lift. They don't just need a Hoyer lift at home. They're also going to need it at work, and they may still need two people to use that. Um, So there are times when we might have somebody who does primarily job coaching and somebody who does primarily ADL, IDL, but it's not because they have an ADL, IDL need. It's because they have a two-on-one support need. And so we're able to meet that by having somebody who does primarily the work piece and primarily the personal care piece. I'd say that's rare though. Even if you have two-on-one supports, likely both folks are going to be helping with whatever you need, whether it's job coaching and personal care, you switch back and forth. So there are times when somebody may be asking for a second person on the job, um, but we don't do that often. And the reason is because it's really, frankly, just not best practice to have two people on a job. If you don't need two people, You don't want to have three people essentially assisting with one job. And we can say we're the state. We've hired somebody. Yay. Um, And it's been great to have a job coach to support the person to learn their job. But also on the flip side, you don't want the job coach there forever because it becomes a little bit cumbersome. While it's super positive and we're glad to have it, it's been really 
exciting for us to fade to some natural supports and put our own supports in place so that um, our employee is able to work just like anybody else and feel a little bit more comfortable in the job. So that's not to say job cooking supports ever have to go away. They absolutely don't. But as an employer, I can also say, in a sense, fading to that natural support has also been a really exciting process and I think um, helpful for us as well. So what if someone needs one but not the other? So typically, if you need one but not the other, what, what what that would mean is you just need an ADL, IADL support. And again, I'll try to call it what I mean to call it. We have some folks who maybe have a probation order that says that they have to be line of sight in the community. If that's the case, they might just need somebody on the job with them to provide that supervision. And so they may just be getting an IADL or that behavioral line of sight supervision. They don't need a job coach anymore because they can communicate with their with their employer, HR. They know how to do the job. They show up to work. They set up their workstation. They do all the tasks like anybody else would be, but they still have a probation order that says they're line of sight in the community. So somebody may just be doing an IADL support there. Um, There's also times when somebody might just need some physical assistance to eat their lunch or use the restroom. Um, But again, that communication piece with their supervisor, all of that's in place. So there are times when people will fade to just an an ADL-IADL support. Um, and that job coach will fade out. Again, with all job coaching services, like I just mentioned, the intent is ideally to transfer to natural supports as much as possible. So that person is um, relying on coworkers like you or I would be, but there's a time when that may not be possible, or you might be able to transfer all that job coaching support to a natural support, but still need some personal care on the job that would remain. So if you need one, but not the other, it's usually you continue to need attendant care, but you don't necessarily need a job coaching support. Right. So you might have someone that's been on the job 10 years. They really know that job like the back of their hand, but they may need some personal hygiene help at work just because of the nature of their disability. And I think we've done success stories on folks like that. You know, they know the job really well, but they just can't, they need that attendant care. So So that can happen, it sounds like. Um, So Mike and Acacia, did you have anything else you wanted to add about this particular subject and things you want folks at home to know? I think the only thing I would add is that it's complicated. We know that it's complicated and we complicated it in a sense when we rolled out the K plan. Uh, However, at the end of the day, what we want is for people to be supported on the job. And so we want to work with all of our job coaches and all of our maybe more traditional attendant care providers to figure out how to make supports work for that person on the job. And so that's really the intent of what we're doing. So that's all I would add. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree. It is complicated, but I think there's also a danger of overthinking it. I mean, people, they need to keep their jobs, right? And so that's what we're trying to do is get people to have jobs and keep them and be successful. That's couldn't say it better myself, Mike. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure. So thank you both for joining us for the Oregon Employment First podcast. That wraps up this session. We will uh, talk to you again next time. Thank you, everyone. Need help planning your road to work? Go to roadtowork.oregon.gov and create your customized course to a job using available services and supports. That's roadtowork with the number two, .oregon.gov.